So I got on this red dress and these high heels, right? I got a bra, like, out here, okay? And I'm chasing these two Puerto Rican guys through the park. They got a suitcase filled with bank robbery loot. Okay, I'm screaming out, FBI, freeze! And I'm reaching for my gun, but I can't find it in the bra. It's so damn big. I thought I was going to shoot my tits off. <laughs> you know, that's a funny story. People always laugh at that story. Let me ask you a question, Mr. Andersky. If you were having so much fun undercover, why did you transfer to bank fraud? I didn't transfer. I was censured and reassigned. It's like being punished. I was punished. I screwed up in the field. What about you, Mr. Fox? Were you punished for screwing up in the no, field? No, no, no. I've never worked in the field before. I audited background investigations of Department of Justice clerical applicants. Oh, that's just great. I asked my team, and they dragged the bottom of the Pacific. What if I ask you a question, Agent Handwriting? How come you're so serious all the time? So does it bother you, Mr. Anders? Yeah. Yeah, it does bother me. Does it bother you, Mr. Fox? A little, I guess. Oh, would you like to hear me tell a joke? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'd love to hear a joke from you. Knock, knock. Who's there? Go fuck yourselves. Blake, did you just ask me a question? <laughs> um. I think, is this going to be the first podcast ever where one of the hosts only talks in Morse code? No. <laughs> okay. I was just trying to do the whole intro in Morse code. I and wasn't I think I succeeded. sure. I think you succeeded, but I wasn't because I don't know Morse code. I think you may have asked me a question that I I didn't respond to. Not till the very end. Okay.
And that was simply, how have you been, Jameson? <laughs> um, I've been a little less or uh, a little more confused than normal. Oh, uh, but I th- tell me about that. But I think, well, I've I've never had anyone ask me questions in Morse code before. <laughs> that's that's fair, I guess. I mean, weird. To to the listeners, Blake told me he was doing something weird, but he didn't tell me what, and so I knew it was weird. But I didn't know what I was supposed to come in. And so I imagined in my mind that it was just this game of chicken where Blake was just going to keep playing things in Morse code until I broke. No. Which I think I broke, off. A, I broke a little too early, I think. <laughs> so actually, actually did, because I'm not actually sure that we made it through the whole intro. But that's because I was also afraid that it might start repeating itself. And that that would break both of us. Well, yeah. I, see, I don't know who I should be apologizing to. If I should apologize to the listeners for not breaking sooner, or apologizing to you for not letting your bit go the entire way. Why don't you just apologize to both? I I guess I guess that's true. I guess this was a no win situation. <laughs> Thanks, Blake. You're welcome. Anytime. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, <clears throat> I had to look that up. I I tr- I typed in the duck duck go. I was like, translate into Morse code, and it came up with this National Morse Code Association, some shit like that, and it allowed you to translate. Now, what I didn't realize at the time, because originally I had thought about doing it with my with just my knuckles on the desk. Um, but then I noticed that, that you can actually play it on their website. So I was like, ta-da! Talk about low effort. That's great. So I don't know. I don't know if anyone else will think it's great. That, uh, the, the two and a half people who, who watched the movie, um, Mm -hmm will get it so yeah i i'm pretty sure that it's you and i and thad that probably watched this movie well kira also watched it because i made her watch it so oh, but she was knitting it? oh knitting while not watching knocking i'm gonna get in trouble if i talk about how knitting is kind of like being on your phone while you watch a movie. So I'm That's not, fair. I'm not going to talk about that. So I'm basically what you're saying is that she didn't actually pay attention to it. I'm not throwing any shade on the idea of not watching a movie with your full attention. Don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. Speaking of, did you fall asleep? no seriously i seriously did not fall wait asleep. you saw the same movie that everyone else did i may have picked up my phone at least once though so yeah, that's fair i probably picked mine up a few times yeah 
Uh, so I have to come clean about that, especially since I was just talking shit about it. So, yeah. yeah. But I didn't fall asleep. At least I was awake the whole time. Nice. Nice. Uh, you were, uh, I, I showcased my, my drink this evening, uh, in the cup of the local convenience store that I frequent called Come and Go. Spelled with a K for all you people whose mind was in the gutter. But you asked the question, a very perceptive question is, you, they have to know, right? And I'm like, of course they do. And then that brought up a funny story in my head from back in the days when I was still on Twitter. Because I don't know if you remember back when uh, <clears throat> the, I think it was a Jewish synagogue that got shot up. And Oh, uh, in, in Pittsburgh? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and right after that happened, come and go, the, the corporate account for come and go on Twitter um basically tweeted out saying it's it's time for us to finally come out and tell you the origin story of our name and they just like they they put a link down and you're supposed to go to the link and it was supposed to explain everything well whenever you click the link it took you straight to the donation page for the anti-defamation league and you know what i was like Nicely done, come and go. That was actually pretty brilliant. That's, yeah, that's a pretty good story. That's a pretty yeah. good use of, uh, pretty good use of innuendo to, like, um, to, to yeah. you know, stump for something good. So, cool. you know, ever since then, I I've, kind of, I've kind of been on the come and go train. Yeah, so. I wasn't sure where that story was going because I wasn't. <laughs> on twitter at that time or didn't remember it so well and you might not have actually seen it because it's this i don't i think come and go is largely pretty regional if i'm not mistaken it's a pretty big region though and i have yeah i'm familiar with the come and goes yeah uh yeah well you have family in oklahoma city so you kind of have to family in oklahoma city yeah and i've driven through the country a couple times so you know whenever you do that you see the big regional uh chains of of gas stations at least so yeah but i don't think we have any in california so yeah i don't remember ever seeing any in california anyways that was a really significant tangent i'm i'm gonna apologize for that but uh yeah like don't apologize for that. <laughs> oh. I'll never I apologize think... for when I come and go. <laughs> yeah, don't apologize for that. <laughs> I think the people who stuck around through the Morse code are definitely not offended by your come and go story. So well, you're good. I appreciate that. To all the listeners who are still listening 14 minutes in, or however many minutes it has been, 11 minutes, something like that, uh, thank you. Thank you for sticking around. There's more to come and go. Blake, are you surviving the purge? Uh, 
<clears throat> yeah. Yeah, people are sl- are slowly starting to get power back. Um, I don't know how many people. They're, they're supposed to say, they said that a majority of people in Tulsa should have their power back by Saturday at 5 p.m. But it's going to be progressively more and more each day. So, yeah. I mean, we never lost power. Um, for those who are who are clueless about what we're talking about right now, Tulsa had a had a significant, severe weather event. Uh, there was like a tornado like forty miles north of us, but that was as close as a as a tornado we got. It was mainly just really high winds and heavy rain, but it was enough to uh, destroy uh, destroy my tree. So that's what I get to do on Saturday is pack up the old tree and move it to the grounds wherever they chop it up or whatever they do with it make paper out of it the great tree burial grounds <clears throat> yes the great tree burial grounds so now we're, we're surrounding the purge the raids on gas were not near as bad as as they thought they were gonna be i mean it's I still don't know if you can actually get gas all that easily still, but I know for the first couple of days there, it was a little crazy with the gas situation. So, yeah, you were, you were texting me how it was, there was like raids on gas stations, Mm -hmm. 200,000 people were out of power and all of the highways were closed too. So it just. Cause a tree falling. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a crap ton, crap ton of trees that that fell around Tulsa. So it is what it is. We survived it. We had it better off than than a lot of people. So can't complain. At least you're um, at least you're still on dry ground, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We always choose hell instead of high water. That is a good choice. And a good movie. <laughs> it is a very good movie. Which we may fan. have to do at some point. Yeah, that'd be great. I don't think it's been forgotten, but that would be a great choice. I like that movie a lot. I feel like we should uh, always just I think we should just take a year and dedicate it to Ben Foster films. <laughs> we could start with wasn't he in uh, a Nickelodeon series? We could start just by watching that. Yeah, he was, wasn't he? I think so. That's that's my earliest memory of, of Ben Foster was that he was on some Nickelodeon show. It but wasn't Pete it wasn't the adventures of Pete and Pete, was it? I don't think it was Pete and Pete. Because okay. I don't remember Pete and Pete that well. And I barely of, remember it. People around me always talk about it like it's it's legendary, but we didn't have Nickelodeon, which is weird because I, I started this conversation by remembering something about Nickelodeon mm-hmm. that Ben Foster was somehow associated. But um, but I, I don't understand why I can recall that information. I don't remember why, but I can. But I didn't watch uh, Pete and Pete just because we didn't yeah. really have access to it. So, yeah. The first thing I remember Ben Foster in was uh get over it with my uh my celebrity crush kirsten donst um 
and it was like a modern day version of like much to do about nothing or something like that mm. it was it was at the time whenever 10 things they had about you like what made a big splash and everyone was trying to do oh, yeah. the modernized shakespeare uh youth rom-com kind of thing it was i don't remember it being very good but i do remember him being in it and that was the first time i noticed him as a as a entity <laughs> yeah he's 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 noticeable he has some good good roles so he tends to get typecast sometimes with the psycho bad guy kind of role but then he gets random like movies like uh leave no trace where he gets to like actually show his acting skill hmm. where he's it's yeah. all about subtlety and like expression with face and emotion and yeah good shit yeah um do you have a favorite shakespeare adaptation does that have to be film or just in general yes Ah, <sighs> oh, shakespeare adaptation i mean it would be hard to beat 10 things as far as enjoyability um, but I feel, I, it feels kind of cheap to pick that. Um, that's the one I would probably yeah, but... watch the most. Um, but I mean, if you're talking like a straightforward, um, I don't know. I kind of like the, uh, the, the new tragedy of Macbeth. That's, that is a good choice. I liked it too. Um, yeah, I think for, for like the straightforward ones, you have... You have like all of uh, Kenneth Branagh's like mm-hmm. series of, of films, and um, I don't know if I've ever sat down and watched the entire Hamlet, uh, but I've heard that one's good. It's like uh, five hours or something like that. It's very long. Yeah. Um, which nothing against long movies. It's just I don't know. I think I'm feeling old, and it's like well. You know, I have to schedule a whole weekend to watch a five-hour <laughs> movie. But um, I was, as a as a young teen, I was always a fan of um, the adaptation. Oh, what was the director's name? I'm blanking on, on what her name was, but the adaptation of uh, Titus Andronicus. Titus. Was it Anthony Hopkins? With Anthony Hopkins. I remember the cover of that in the video stores with the blue face. Yeah, oh, yeah. I love that cover. I never saw it, but I remember being like drawn to that that movie box. Yeah, I don't actually know if it's a good movie. Um, the director later uh, did the Beatles movie Across the Universe, which gotcha. was not which was not good. Um, yeah. Had a decent so, soundtrack, but mainly because it was Beatles music done by anyone but the Beatles. Oh, yeah. I didn't ever listen specifically to the soundtrack, but I just, I, the, the movie just seemed way too cheesy on the Beatles. Oh, yeah. Um, but, but, you know, I remember really liking this movie of Titus Andronicus, but I don't know if it's good. 
anymore. So actually, that would be that would be a good mm. future flyby film. Yeah, they would give us some culture, which is exactly what the two of us need: is some culture. I so the most memorable scene from a, a Shakespearean adaptation was uh, the the modernized Hamlet with Ethan Hawke, where he gives the famous monologue as he's walking down the aisles of the video store. Hmm. That is that is a scene I think about quite often. I don't know why. I don't even think that the movie was particularly good, if I recall correctly. But but I remember being like compelled by that scene for whatever reason. So. Yeah, I don't think I ever saw that one. I remember when it came out. Um, I think I was too young at that point to care about Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. But. I do remember thinking like, oh, that's weird. This old thing is set in modern day, you know. And then yeah. I realized later, oh, that's what they do with Shakespeare plays all the yeah. time. So. Yeah, good times. Good times. I remember that that was the big argument back in the day about uh, Shakespearean adaptations as whether they were supposed to be in the old English or if they were meant to be modernized. And I remember, I, I think it was, I mean, I'm sure that there's someone out there, an academic out there who thinks it's a, uh, this, believes this, but I think it was widely acclaimed that Shakespeare himself always meant for his plays to be modernized. And I'm like, eh. Nowadays, I look back on that, I'm like, ah, I doubt it. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. If modernized, I mean, you mean in his lifetime, yes. But in his lifetime was contextually old English. So... Yeah. I mean, it doesn't bother me either way. It's just no, kind of care. like... It, yeah. It definitely reminds me of, of the argument that, you know, that the only, like, good version of the Bible is the King James version. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I think people, I think some people just like old things. And if you like old things, that's fine. Get, you know, get your old things where you I can. Think, I think my argument was more about just being super snobby one way or the other. I was like, who cares? <laughs> if it's good, it's yeah. good. Exactly, exactly. And I think I think that's, you know, the the tragedy in Macbeth, the the most recent one, the script is all old English, you know. Mm. It and it pulls it off. And not only that, it's black and white, which is kind of an old technique from film, too. Yep. So you've got a lot of old things kind of coming together and it feels fresh and new and exciting and fun. So that's a good adaptation. Yep. I agree. I agree. So I know that we were going to talk about something else, Jameson. What were we, what, what was it we were going to talk about? Oh, we, I we wanted got to like, ask... We got like 20 minutes left before we have to actually get into the meat of the conversation. Oh yeah. Yeah. About 20 minutes left before the actual movie. So I just, I mean, we're, 
so there's two things. There's two things. Uh, One is is an exciting reminder. When this episode comes out, do you know that our podcast will be 20 years away from being able to drink? What? Yeah. Oh, man, we're going to be so lit in 20 years. Yeah. If we last that long, our podcast will be able to drink. Dang. So. I'm going to be 59. Ugh. <laughs> Gross, Blake. Uh, no. For those of you who didn't catch my, my subtle math there, it means that uh, our podcast is a year old. So... Uh, it's beautiful i know growing up so fast growing up was it actually the 28th it was the 23rd so so friday friday yeah hmm so may have to do something special on that day or maybe not (laughs) do whatever your low effort heart desires so nothing (laughs) i mean i think that's what it was i think i remember looking it up and that was the that was the first time that something was released for the podcast yeah was that day so i guess we could pick we could pick that as the birthday no no surprise surprise oh the first teaser was today a year ago which is the 21st. That's the true. The longest so. day of the year. Oh. You know what makes it the longest day of the year? Uh, the sun being out for nearly 16 hours? No, I was going to say that I have to record this with you. But, That's fair. Um, That's fair. Hmm. I mean, I thought the same thing, but I was nice enough <laughs> not to say it. <laughs> Oh, brutal, <laughs> brutal. <laughs> I guess I deserved that. Um, yeah, no, I I was looking forward to recording this. So that was one thing I wanted to say. So uh, happy birthday, Blake. Um, oh, happy birthday to you. Thank you. Um, uh, eat a piece of cake later or something. Do something celebrate. I had, I had three peanut butter cookies earlier. So... I think I might make a, a peach cobbler. My wife got a bunch of peaches, so I'm I'm itching to use them. Not a big fan of peaches. Okay. I will literally eat any other kind of pie or cobbler, but never. I mean, I don't hate them. I will I will eat it, but it's not my favorite. Blake, you're pivoting to a topic that I wasn't going to talk about. But okay. I kind of need to now. Okay, let's uh, talk about it. Be- because. How peaches look like little fuzzy butts? Yeah, well, okay. So peaches are butts. We all know that. We all agree on that. Peaches are also <laughs> other anatomies, too. Um, what if other you use, anatomies? If you use the, the emoji, um, it can mean either butts or um or vaginas too or i thought it just meant thirst trap like a like a a saliva peach (laughs) don't ever say saliva peach to me again (laughs) um 
that <laughs> nothing, yeah, nothing think, like that old peach saliva. I mean, I think that's the reference is like peaches are butts, and then like you have like butts and yoga pants and their thirst trap pictures, and so you oh, you know you do enough. that. Um, but um, okay, so. What is your most top tier fruit? What is what most, is your favorite fruit? Uh, in general, period. Just just the best best fruit. The thing that makes your mouth water or like gets you going in the morning. Really, really good tart blackberries. Wow tart blackberries not just well, like well like like the the the, the blackberries that you, when you put them in your mouth they're not like they're not like droopy like you bite into them and they kind of like burst and they're somewhat tart but also sweet like fresh ripe blackberries all right all right and that is that is in your mind. Okay. Yeah. Is there any specific way that you like these blackberries? In cobblers. What is like in cobblers? Well, I so, mean, outside of just eating them by themselves. What's like the cobbler. optimal temperature? Uh, room. R- room temperature. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm leading you on a journey because you've met George before, at least, at least on the internet. Um, my friend George is very opinionated about fruit and he will tell you this and his big, his big idea that he pushes is that the colder the fruit, the better, and that that's true for any fruit. Um, and he will die on this hill, so. Uh, is there any way to prove that? I mean, he will say, his response has always been, you know, give me an example or prove me wrong. And then whenever you cite an example, he says no. So, no, there's not any way to prove it. Um, his, I mean, his favorite- in this day and age, you gotta follow the science. Like, there's no other way to live life. You, you, you gotta follow the science. Okay. And so if he can't reproduce his supposed evidence through scientific method, then he is not following the science, and therefore he's wrong and or suspect. Well, I don't believe he's wrong because of that. Um, I believe he's wrong because there are fruits that taste better at room temperature, but, um, but I, I, I hear what you're saying and I, I think you're calling George out. You're saying, George, you need to set up a double blind scientific experiment surveying a representative sample of fruit and actually prove this. So. Okay. No, actually, actually, what I'm actually trying to say is that science is largely kind of a wank fest. 
Science is is bitches sometime. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, Blake, did you hear this week? I heard about this story about uh, this. It was actually almost local, but this restaurant uh, in Sacramento, where it was uh, Sacramento Roseville area, where the uh, the owner had hired a fake priest to get dirt on its his employees. Mm-hmm. So he hired this fake priest to go and try to get the employees to confess to him their sins, and specifically their sins about the, like things that they may have taken from work or any Uh. ill feelings that they harbored towards their boss. And um, it just, it was just the wildest story. Um, So they were using religion as a means of class warfare. Yeah. Yeah, they were (laughs) exactly. And so I think, I think what started it though was the, the department of labor was actually investigating this person for kind of withholding wages or things like that. And so he didn't want his employees to kind of report anything. And so he was trying to get dirt so he could blackmail them or something. Uh, Gotcha. Um, Yeah. It just sounded, honestly, it sounded like an, it's always sunny episode. Like where Frank you know, buys a a restaurant and, you know, maybe the employees, I don't know, you know, he's with, you know, it could be a department of labor investigation, Mm -hmm. but you know, they come up with this scheme to like get back at the employees. So yeah, it, it just felt so surreal. I, I, you know, I can't imagine, I can't even imagine trying to, how you get to a point where you think that would work because mm. you also assume that I guess all of your employees are Catholic. Like yeah. maybe so it was a Because if they were good Protestants, they would just, they would just confess to God because they don't need a fucking mediator. <laughs> exactly. I'm exactly. Ki- I'm just kidding. As spoken like, a, like a good Anglican. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were they were taquerias, so you know the potential was that that most of the uh, work workers were like Hispanic or uh, of Mexican descent. So you do have the the Catholic bent there, but still, like it just seems seems kind of wild that you know they would start confessing to a random priest who shows up to their work. Well, and and not only that, but it's 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 presuming that that these people like live the worst and best parts of their life at work. I mean, okay, sure, I'm sure all of us have done something stupid and or bad at work, but let's be honest, the worst shit we do probably not at work. So the fact that you're bringing in a fake priest to get dirt on work it just it's not good scheming it's a terrible scheme oh, a terrible it's scheme. horrible 
And not only that, S- but you you know S- those people minus. found the guy afterwards, and they were like, "Exercise this bitch," <laughs> and yeah, then they exercised his demons with their fists. <laughs> the the workers. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so I was supposed to bring up the second topic, which I wanted to talk about, which is actually originally what I had uh, texted you about, mm-hmm. and is because it's the middle of the year, I was just wondering what your favorite music was from this year, so, so far. You know, you know it's funny, I'm sure we're both doing the same thing, <clears throat> we're probably both looking at our band camps, and, uh reminding ourselves of of what what exactly have we listened to this year (laughs) i would Uh, never do that blake i would i would never that's because you know this shit off the cuff yeah uh i wish i was that cool um yeah i i would say probably my favorite ones uh would have to be uh, the the MS Paint post American album, uh, which has been a it's probably been my biggest surprise of the year. I just you know I listened to it on a whim one Friday and I now listen to it quite often because it it gets me going. So, <laughs> uh, and I know that you too like it. Um, <clears throat> I would have to say probably outside of that one. The new Westerman uh, in inbuilt fault uh, for low key kind of bedroom pop um, has been up there for me. Uh, I have fallen in love with this new Vulture Feather album, Liminal Fields, uh, which I think has the potential of uh, becoming one of my favorites by the end of the year. I uh, haven't spent enough time with Killer Mike or Queens of the Stone Age to really know where I, where they stand for the year. Um, I like the new Eve's Tumor, um, which I praise the Lord who chooses, but which does something something. It's a long title. Uh, but I like that album quite a bit. Um yeah, those are probably my standouts. I, you and I are both DM Stith fans. Um, mm-hmm. This one hasn't hasn't connected with me as much as his last one. I like it, but I don't listen to like if I'm gonna listen to like low key pop or low key kind of avant garde, I end up going to the Westerman album almost nine times out of ten. So yeah. Uh, I think of that style of music, I, I tend towards that one more than DM Stith. But, yeah, those are probably my standouts uh, so far. Yeah, I think that DM Stith album is going to grow, but I think you're right. It hasn't been something that I go back to yet. I, I pass it in my in my Bandcamp collection, and I see it, and I go, oh, I should listen to that yeah again uh but that's that's about as far um but yeah i was uh i was actually gonna call out the the post-american album the Mm -hmm. ms paint one 
that one's just so much fun. And I think I described it to a friend as like, think like Rage Against the Machine, but take away their guitars and replace it with synth. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got like kind of a kind of an idea. Um, but yeah, so so that's it's probably been my top like new one. Um, there was I listened to Makeup of Vanity set a lot, yeah. and um, he released an album with uh, Sefero. Uh, uh, it wasn't like a a split. It was they they all worked on the songs together, and um, that one was called Wave Finder, and that's pretty cool. I've been listening to that a lot, and then um. If anyone is familiar with Circle Takes the Square, they didn't release a new album, but um, the Anthony Stubalek of of Circle Takes the Square, it's the no, sorry, I'm I'm getting him mixed up um, with. How dare you, sir? I know, no, it's Drew Spezial. He's the guy who who uh, does the the vocals in. Um, circle takes the square but he released an album called drawn bow as visions and um it wasn't a full album it was just like an ep but it's just good weird dark folky music so mm, right i enjoyed that i'll have yeah. to listen to that one and then um but yeah i newer stuff i guess i've been listening to a lot of stuff that has come out in the past few years that I've been missing. Mm-hmm. Um, I found this one artist through another. So I, I listened to this artist called uh, Midwife. Who's yep. also oh, yeah. Love Midwife. Yeah. Kind of dark, dark, folky, uh, a little like a dream poppy. It's like, it's like gothic dream pop. It's uh, uh it's it's um uh what do they call it death gaze? Yeah, death gaze. So um so she turned me on to um this other artist called Tucker Theodore who mm-hmm. I think I was telling you about and um and he has a bunch of releases um but um it's just like weird again dark americana stuff but his most recent one is called lewiston by the sea and it's just this really weird very uncomfortable in some ways dark indie americana album you know it kind of fits in with with the midwife crowd but there's this there's this cover of a Randy Newman song called Baltimore nice. on it. Uh-huh. And it's just the darkest like it almost turns the the song into like this this weird industrial nightmare. So, um That's awesome. Anyway. That's that's been an album that I found this year that I've been going back to, so Yeah. Uh well, you did you did introduce me to an older album. Um, and it was a Marxist metal album called Kentucky. Oh by, yeah. By Panopticon. 
And uh, and I, I I would be remiss to say I hadn't been listening to that quite a bit this year. So thank you for that recommendation. That that album <clears throat> has stuck with me throughout the years. Like uh, Panopticon is just this one guy who who makes kind of a, a mixture of bluegrass and or or like folk and metal. Um, and he's he's from kind of the, the Midwest Appalachian area. Um, but that one album is so good and just does such a good job of, of mixing bluegrass and black metal and also kind of having them as separate things. Like there are songs that are, you know, entirely bluegrass and songs that are entirely metal. Yep. And all the while there's just this really cool undercurrent of you know of of unions just Mm -hmm. putting up with tons of shit from the you know the coal mining industry and um and it's just such a you know such a good uh i don't know story about workers (laughs) I don't know. It's yeah. It's it's just a really cool album. So if you haven't ever listened to that album, yeah. Thanks Blake for reminding me of that again. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, I. Of course, being who we are, we listen to probably a lot more older music than we do newer. But you and I are crazy enough to listen to new stuff too. So. There, there are certain bands like Queens of the Stone Age that I'll always listen to whenever they release a new one. Um, but, yeah, I I tend to go back and forth. It just depends on the day. Some days I just want to try something new, and other days I just want something comforting that I know well. So, <laughs> Yeah, I definitely think that's that's the struggle with getting older, is you know so much music, and it it's hard to kind of keep pushing yourself into the new category and also you know there's a bunch of stuff that you miss that deserves to be heard and so you have to kind of split your time between the things you miss the things you love and the new things that are you know exciting and interesting and it's it's a challenge to kind of keep them all you know, balanced. I've toyed with the idea of, of basically taking a year and just listening through, uh, everything that came out during my birth year. And, uh, but never have gotten the balls to do it. So (laughs) it's a lot of work. If you do that though, you'll also have a backlog of all the music from that year that you'll have to listen to. So exactly. So, win-win. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of catching up on things that you missed out on when they came out, uh, I'm reminded that neither of us had seen this movie that we're about to talk about. This is true. I'm not even convinced that anyone has seen this movie. Well, it did premiere at the Sundance Film Festival. So What's that? 
Someone is in that, Utah. Is that where? The, is that the where? Oh, is that the place where all the paid critics go and and watch their films and and you know say nice things about them for money? I think so. Blake, if I could get into the Sundance Film Festival and had an excuse to go, I would totally go. I know. I would go too. And I would would refuse any payment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't get paid. I don't (laughs) think I could get paid. So, you know. Fair enough. So... What what were your thoughts going into this? <clears throat> were you a little surprised that I picked a, a random one like this that neither one has one had, had ever seen? Was I surprised? No, I wasn't surprised. I I was surprised with the pick, though. I mean, going with a Swedish thriller. Come on. I Come mean, on. I feel like Sweden films has been a topic that we've talked about before. So No, never. Has never come up before in, in the entire history of our podcast. Uh and I just but, want to notate that this is a year later since the last Swedish one we've watched. So Oh, that's true. Well I was talking about uh Be Kind Rewind. I forgot that we actually did watch a Swedish film. So uh um, Yeah. I was just thinking about the Sweden films from B. Oh yeah, the Sweden. Well, right. yeah. I mean, easily the better of the two. Let's be honest. Sweden films yeah. are the best. Of course, but um, <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm, I was surprised. Like this, it felt like a movie that I might put on, you know, in a in a weird afternoon where I'm looking for something weird, you know, yeah. and. And or and or depressed. Euro- yeah, those European, <laughs> you know, horror thriller movies, um, they can be pretty dark and pretty uh mm-hmm. pretty surprising at times. So so I I didn't know what to expect. I didn't do any reading before I turned it on because I knew that that wasn't gonna stop me from watching it. You had flipped the switch to say, Jamie, you need to watch this. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go in as cold as possible. Were you willing to sacrifice? What sacrifice? You were cold as ice. Were you willing to sacrifice? Yeah. Oh, okay. Just checking. Always. (laughs) Um... (laughs) So that was that was my mindset going into the movie. And um and yeah. So how did I feel about the movie after about 10 minutes? Uh It was I was excited about the fact that it was only like an hour and 20 minutes long. So I was like, <laughs> okay. This Ten is minutes a short in, film. You're like only got an hour and 10 minutes left. Okay, we're doing good. Yeah. Okay. Carry on. Um it I you made a reference to how many times did you fall asleep during the movie? Um so I think maybe you felt similarly at one yeah. point. 
the movie takes its time to develop this character and maybe even overdevelop this character um and then add a little more character development on top of that um or or devolves from the character sh- development sure <laughs> yeah but like but what the movie thought was character development <laughs> um whether it was successful or not. Um, I thought that the pacing was a little strange. I thought there were, uh, there were some weird stylistic choices in the film where it looked like they didn't have like a coherent way of, of thinking about the movie where like, I don't know. They would go into these these weird um weird shots where it was like it was like it was connected to the person's face and like anytime she would turn the camera would turn and uh I didn't I didn't think that I you know the movie deals with mental illness and so I think that was like kind of a, a a cheap way of trying to get into this person's mind and and like be like look you're you're shaking around your head just as much as this person is to like keep track of this so yeah. you can you can feel this way and it just kind of felt a little jarring um and and not as cohesive these negatives aside I do want to say I think the setup and the premise was pretty fun. And mm-hmm. I there were parts I enjoyed and mostly though I felt like the execution of a good idea was medium to bad that i would i would largely agree i yeah i as as the listeners um will find out i texted jameson with my pick and then i said i hope this doesn't turn into grief porn because I despise grief porn. I'm pretty sure I came up with the term before it got used by anyone else. And I've only seen it used one other time. Uh, And so I want to just double down on that. I created that term. It is mine. I'm going to patent it. Anyways, uh, I was afraid that it was going to turn into that. And to be honest, I don't think it had a cohesive enough through line to even pull off that. (laughs) Like, the grief was so vague that I was like, uh, okay. I mean, yeah, I know you're just, you're, you're trying to, like, give us a sense of it without showing what it, what happened. But I'm like, I can't really like 
grab on to why this character lost her shit. I mean, outside of losing a loved one, but I mean, plenty of people lose loved ones and don't find themselves in a mental institution. So I don't, I, it just didn't work for me. And then, and then the director chose to make all these characters around her in this new apartment complex vaguely quirky. And I'm like, mm, it's, it, I, I have an issue with directors who want to give you a little bit of quirk, but not like go full force into it. And I find that to be cheap and cowardly. If you want quirky, you need to lean into it. Let's just go there. Go I, I don't full need Wes you. Anderson. Yeah. Go full, well, I mean, I've got thoughts about Wes Anderson, but yes, sure, Wes Anderson. Why not? <laughs> but yes, if you're going to do quirky, go full quirk. Don't just give me these little touches like the a strange, like, Nazi upstairs neighbor looking dude. Who okay, you thought that to, too. Who looks like he likes flowers and gives her weird looks while he's smelling flowers. And I'm like, I mean, that has the potential of being a really interesting and potentially creepy character, but it ends up playing off as kind of cliche. <laughs> yeah. Definitely got Nazi vibes from yeah. that guy uh, based on how he looked. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and there, I will say there was a little bit of a payoff with that character, which was, oh, you know, it's not what you think. Like, he's much nicer than you yeah. think. But, but it was pretty cliche, like, you know. It wasn't it wasn't some sort of middle ground where this guy is also a weirdo, but maybe not the weirdo that she thinks he is, you yeah. know, um, and yeah. So am I wrong? Did they they never explained they never fully explained the grief, right? There's yeah, like no. they keep replaying it and showing you more and more. But it's just more and more of the beach and the water. Yeah, but they don't actually it. show what happens. Okay. Yeah. So I'm I'm glad I didn't fully miss that. I mean, I think the the idea is okay. So the the movie opens up. It's this lady and her lover, um, or her partner, and um, and they seem really happy, and then her partner leaves and. Uh, then she wakes up in a mental health facility kind of on her last day and it's been like a year or something they don't explain exactly the passage of time but um, but she's made a lot of progress and she's about to live on her own and then you realize like oh okay something happened to her partner and it turns out that her partner she something happened on the beach at that we don't know what we assume never drowning or something but yeah it's never explained 
Yeah. But, you know, there is this connection. So, I guess what happened on the beach, you know, her... The, the main character was asleep and then wakes up and her partner is in trouble. Mm-hmm. And so there is kind of this, this illusion that like she has this trauma from not paying attention to the people around her. And so that's kind of set up for the whole plot of the movie which is she moves into this complex and at night she starts hearing knocking Mm -hmm. somewhere above her someone is knocking and it's not just random noise it seems thought out it seems like someone is trying to send a message with the knocks Almost like it's Morse code. Yes. Because because normal everyday people know Morse code. Well, I mean, we all know that, like, if you are, if you get kidnapped, you definitely know Morse code. Oh, easily. This is why you never learn Morse code, because you only get kidnapped if you know Morse code. So... Uh, yeah you also only you also only ever get um you know abandoned in the wilderness if you know morse code or if you know how to like you know do crazy things like that so just never prepare for these situations and you'll all be safe yeah yeah definitely don't ever learn morse morse code just just get it translated on a website like me yeah yeah no so um i i don't think that was morse code i think it was just Knox in the movie i think she just thought it was but um but the rest of the movie is her kind of trying to figure out if she's going crazy or if someone is actually knocking to try to get her attention and she's also trying to convince other people of this, too. Like, there is someone knocking. She calls the police a couple of times. She doesn't know exactly where it's coming from. You know, it's somewhere upstairs, but there's, like, four different apartments, four or five, that it could be upstairs. And mm-hmm. um, and so it's just kind of the setup for paranoia. And actually, and all you know, of the central suspects are... Men. It's a little on the nose. Just a little bit on the nose. (laughs) This is true. This is true. Um, You know, there is... There is, like, the connection to, to, like, domestic violence. At one point, she Mm -hmm. accuses her neighbors of of domestic violence, but they're just having kind of a a normal argument and they seem really embarrassed that she called the cops on them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, it definitely, you know, all, all of the suspects and all of the creepy people are, are, are men, um, including the Nazi neighbor who <laughs> we should clarify 
doesn't end up being a Nazi, just looks like a Nazi. Yeah. Um, it's like he he appreciated Hitler's style, but not his ideology. Yeah. But that's an interesting one, because at one point she breaks into his apartment and she, like, breaks down a door to get to the woman inside the door. But it's just his mom and he's caring she's like, for her. And she's, like, dementia riddled or something like that. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But. Uh, so, I... I don't see any point in, in hiding any of the spoilers of this movie because one of my biggest problems with this film is it seemed like every reveal was completely sucked of any surprise that it might have had by how they revealed it or by weird choices of like lines and cinematography and like the final scene is her like having this manic like dream where she's actually in a fire in the apartment building and we hear this 911 call and they you come across the person who is actually holding the woman that she's been hearing this whole time in his apartment and of course it's the one guy that she never accuses of anything mm -hmm. surprise and and you're just like oh man talk about the least interesting way of of revealing that <laughs> well yeah yeah it was it it was weird and i will say like the whole lead up before that was kind of her accepting that she still has trauma and mm -hmm. that her, you know, her freaking out isn't helping anything and is actually making the situation worse, even if the situation was true. And that this is kind of due to her trauma. And she learns this lesson. And then the filmmakers are like, wait, no. <laughs> let's pull her back in. Um, let's ignore all of that stuff and make it about this, this thing. So that we can prove that she was right. Even though she actually was struggling. So yeah. kind of throw her back into the blender um at this point and um and yeah there's this weird scene where you know she's she's smoking in her apartment and there's also like where the fire starts yeah it doesn't make a lot of sense it just it comes from the ceiling but she's holding a cigarette in her hand and not like putting it on the ceiling. So, you know, I don't know it. It wasn't very clear what was going on. I actually thought at first like, Oh, is she just dreaming that there's a fire? Yeah. Um, and that which quickly maybe, gets, gets thrown off as, as being, no, she's not dreaming it. 
there's an actual firefighter coming in and taking her out of the building. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And to me, like, it's it's interesting because, okay, <laughs> she, she helps maybe this person be discovered, but in doing that, she burns down this building and, pr- pr- like, I'm guessing the the dementia riddled mom didn't make it out, you know. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm thinking like, okay, yeah, she let her trauma like get the best of her, and now other people are gonna suffer for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you you save this this you know person who is who is kind of chained up in this guy's apartment, and that's great. Um, but. Anyway, it just, it seemed like a very, very muddled ending. Um, but yeah, I, mean, do I you, think... Do you want to know why I picked this film? I absolutely want to know why. So I picked this film because of its its description. The, the simple act of knocking, uh, having this, like... Um, perhaps ghostly or perhaps not ghostly knocking that is like persistent and seems to be coming from uh, an unknown origin and starts to drive you crazy because you're not sure if it's actually in your head or if it's real. That concept I absolutely adore. Uh, and so I was, I picked that movie because I was like, oh, so there's, there's something going on here. Like, maybe they're going to have some fun with it and try to like, you know, I, I, I like movies that use sound to their strengths and, uh, and know how to play with, uh, how sound works and, and how it can kind of affect emotion. Um, and man, I was disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> to to be fair, that's the best thing about the movie. Oh, is, it is. It is. It's yeah. It's actually a great idea. It's actually interesting. And, you know, I will say like the movie starts out kind of slow, but when that started to develop, I was like, "Oh, okay, maybe I'm in." And then yeah. It undevelops itself, but um but yeah, but that was a that was a great setup, and I think that was a worthwhile worthwhile reason to watch. You know, a, uh, an eighty minute movie. So, yeah, I uh, I toyed with going with uh, Barbarian Sound Studio. Um, Have you I'm seen that about, one? Oh, I love it. Yes. Oh, okay. I, I love Peter Strickland in general. So, um, yeah, I. I almost picked that one because of how it uses sound um, to emote and to create tension. Um, but I was like, eh, too too easy. Let's go with something uh, something off the grid. So, um, yeah, I I man, I really wanted this to be better. Um, and I'm curious to see because it's based on a short story. I'm almost curious to see if there is a English translation of it somewhere because I would like to read the story and see if it is equally asinine or if this is just a really poor adaptation of it. 
Um, because the concept itself is, like you said, pretty compelling. Um, and sometimes books are able to kind of prolong that tension a little bit better. Um, yeah. Because it's depending on the person's imagination instead of their kind of visual cues and whatnot. So, yeah, I, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I just wanted this movie to be better in general. And so by the time I, I, I got to the final scene and everything was this big monologue of exposition via 911 caller stuff i was like eh. man still better yeah. than midsummer but you know that's a that's a pretty low bar i definitely think i think too like it would have almost been better if they left some ambiguity with the 911 call like, oh easily yes like yes. you know there's there's this one point where this the 911 caller thinks she hears something in this apartment and the guy's like no there's nothing um and then you know the the uh the firefighter persists so the the person um knocking at the door persists and goes in and then finds this person chained to this apartment mm-hmm. and you know and then you kind of get this I don't know. I guess the character in the movie gets a sense of catharsis that, that, yeah, you know. Or you could have gone the Agatha Christie route with a murder on the Orient Express, and mm-hmm. all of them were involved. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> At one point, I thought maybe that was the that was the idea. It was like there was a tunnel system between all of their apartments and they were just yeah. going back and forth. And that's all she heard was, was the pattering of, of uh, feet kind of traveling through the mm-hmm. different tunnels. So, man, I, I tell you what, <clears throat> you want to talk about some creepy ass shit stories of people living other, other people's attics and walking around in their oh. like walls and shit like that. Yeah. That shit ain't yeah. cool. Have you ever seen... This is not a scary movie, but... Um, oh, well, it's creepy at times, but have you ever seen... Um, oh, shit. House Guest? Is that what it is? Um, it's a it's a New Zealand film. Um, I might be missing the title. Oh, is that the one with the uh, the girl that is like in the house with the ghosts or something yeah yeah i really like it i have seen it but it's been years um what is it called i think it might be called house guest i am looking it up right now but i'm not sure but yeah it was um it I'll I'll figure it out. We'll we'll upload. Right now, I'm just getting a Polly Shore movie called The House Guest. Um, which... You know what you should do? You should just find the movie and then pick the clip 
from that movie. I think I'm going to have to pick a clip from this uh, Sinbad slash Pauly Shore movie. Oh, God. Um, no, it's not Pauly Shore. It's Phil Hartman. Sinbad and Phil Hartman in uh, in this movie called Houseguest. So, Man, talk about on. Whiplash. Going from Pauly Shore to Phil Hartman. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Th- that's true. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to besmirch Phil Hartman. Um, <laughs> or but. besmirch Polly Shore, depending on your taste. I was a pretty big fan of Phil Hartman because he was in um, he was in the Brave Little Toaster. So that's a good movie. Yeah, I I think that was. I was a fan as a kid, and then he was brutally murdered um, when I was a kid, and I remember like thinking how terrible that was. And, yeah. Um, and so I always had kind of a soft spot in my heart, even though I don't know. I don't know if he was a good dude or anything like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I remember when he died. But that's... That's about the only tie I have to him. Yeah. I don't have any strong affinity towards any of his characters on Saturday Night Live or anything like that, so. Yeah, I think I was a bit too young to be paying attention to Saturday Night Live. That's why my my touch point for him is is as the radio in yeah. um, in Brave Little Toaster. But yeah. Well, and I I grew up at the height of uh <clears throat> Will Ferrell, Chris Kattan, SNL. So that's that's kind of my quote unquote era. Yeah, same. I think I think around that time, and then like Tina Fey, um, and mm-hmm. like right before she kind of left and started doing her own thing and writing for, um writing her own movies like mean girls and things like that so yeah yep i well, uh like... I'm, I'm 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 sad i'm sad that i picked this don't be sad not all movies are gonna be good we know this yeah yeah this but is i was the... really hoping that it, that that the first time that we watched one that neither one of us had seen it would be a full-on banger that would have been great, but instead you know, it was just a whimper. This is the low effort risk that we take. It's like a, it's like, it's like one of those, like, you know, when you have a really bad case of gas and it feels <laughs> like it's just going to be like a massive explosion come out of your butt, but it ends up just being like a little squirt. <laughs> Ooh. Usually that means that there's like, a lot more left up in your butt. Yep. Just like this movie. A lot of a lot of stuff up in their butt. Yep. Yeah. Probably all the good what, stuff, let's be honest. Was there was there one good scene from the movie? What's one good thing you can you can say to the movie? I, I mean I I mean that I think that's pretty easy actually. I I, I think the lead actress does a fine job. She okay. just doesn't have a whole lot to go with on it. 
she's got a very uh intriguing face and it's it's expressive in really interesting ways um i think if she had had more to do than what they gave her then i think she would be very effective but i just don't think she was given that much yeah I'll 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 say blood dripping from ceilings and walls will always creep me out. Uh, really? Let's that uh, is... let's break this down a little bit. Yeah. Why why do you think it is that blood dripping from ceilings and or walls creeps you out? Cuz so... I I actually have the exact opposite reaction. I find it deeply stupid. Okay. But that's just me. I and I understand it, it is kind of stupid like it and in this movie I'll say it doesn't make any sense yeah. it it literally makes zero sense and they never explain it which is yeah. actually maybe like one of the reasons I liked this piece of it was that like it was it was something where they didn't try to wrap it up nicely at all they yeah. just it just exists mm-hmm. it's just some piece of weird shit that doesn't make any sense at all. Um, And, and I think that's why I kind of liked it. So in the movie, there's like a dark spot and you don't even know what it is. It ends up being some sort of blood like substance, Mm -hmm. but it just keeps getting darker and darker and, and falls on her at one. The first time she cleans it off. I was like, man, that cleaned off really nicely. Yeah. It did <laughs> but but it like it's i guess somehow connected to the knocking just because it exists and it's gross and there's also knocking but mm-hmm. it doesn't it there's like a vague connection to to maybe the person who is trapped is bleeding too but it wouldn't there's no way that person would bleed enough to like bleed through the walls yeah so it it really doesn't make any sense um and that's where the fire starts for some yeah. reason you know maybe it's oil but again why is it oil it Who seems knows? like seems like they picked all the wrong things to be ambiguous about yeah but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you why I think blood dripping from the walls is creepy. So when I was, I don't know, 10, 12, I owned a GameCube. And on GameCube, there was a game called Eternal Darkness. Ooh, I like the and sound e- of that. Eternal Darkness was basically this um, this HP Lovecraft inspired story. So it was... Um, it was kind of at the height of of Resident Evil games when those came mm-hmm. out. And so it had like a play style like Resident Evil games, but they mixed in some um some Lovecraftian lore. And so there was all this um all this like kind of insanity aspect to it and you actually had to had to kind of resource manage not only a health bar but also an insanity meter, which 
um, when your insanity went down, crazy things would happen. And one of those things was that the walls would start bleeding. And I just thought that was, that was just the coolest thing. And so it just gets me. Um, Other things that would happen in that game that was kind of fun was um, they would try to break the fourth wall with the insanity stuff where if you got too insane, like something weird would happen and then the TV would shut off. And you'd be like, why was the TV shutting off? And it was actually just the game kind of turning the screen to make it look like the TV shut off. And then it would turn it back on. Um, And so, like, the insanity effects would affect you. So it was just, it was, it was. That sounds like a blast. It was, it was a lot of fun. And, um. It was a cool Sounds like it's because... perfect perfect time for for a renewal. They need to bring it back. I don't I actually don't know why they haven't because it did get decent reviews. Um it even hasn't been it hasn't been like remastered because a lot of times when they're not like recreating the game, they'll like remaster them where they'll just kind of make it look a little mm-hmm. bit better and run in in hd or whatever whatever um brightness you want or or you know frames per second you want so um it's it was a pretty good game and there was like there's like three different ways that you could play it too and once you played it all the three different ways there was like a secret fourth path that you nice. could take. So it was it was a lot of fun. So so that single game is the reason why you find blood falling from walls and ceilings creepy. Yeah, yeah. I'm good with that. That's that was that's way it. better than I was expecting. To be honest. Oh, good. <laughs> I thought for sure you were going to tell me about some traumatic experience where blood was like actually coming out of the walls and ceilings and like was covering you. That would have just been stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I like how you were more willing to make fun of my trauma than my um, 12-year-old video game fantasies. Well, I mean, trauma's overused anyways, right? Sure. (laughs) Also, I would have been lying if I told you that I had trauma from blood. That's fair. From walls, so That's you would have been, you would have been right to to call out my BS. So, oh, I wouldn't have called out your BS. I would have just made fun of your BS, as if it was uh, real. Yeah, because that's the kind of person I am. <laughs> well, so what was your one positive thing besides oh, blood? It was- it was, was the it blood, just blood from the walls. That yeah. was it? I mean, I already talked about how I thought the the premise was... The concept was good. The concept was was fun and, and interesting. I thought, I thought the knocking sound was actually really good. Like, they did a mm-hmm. good job with the, the sound design of that. Um, 
it 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 sounded the right amount of is this is this something that I should be concerned about? Yeah. Is this something that I should ignore? And and so they got that aspect well, and you know how that kind of fit into to this person's, you know, I guess their their personal trauma about not hearing their partner and not being able to help their partner. Yeah. So um, so that's another positive aspect, but yeah. So some hmm. good, good technical things. There were some weird technical things that didn't make any sense. It definitely felt like this person, it was their, you know, their first movie and they threw a bunch of ideas into a blender. And would you like, would you say that they, they threw a lot of spaghetti on the wall to see what would stick? <laughs> yes. Also... <laughs> Did we ever get an explanation for the Duck Dynasty ringtone? Oh. No. So, if you haven't watched the movie, the main character has the most annoying ringtone in the world. And it's just a duck call Mm -hmm. that just keeps going off. And it's not explained like, oh, this person likes ducks. Oh, nope. this, it not at all. It almost feels comedic that like this person who's in all other aspects of their life, a very dark individual who is going through a very dark time, just randomly has this super annoying duck call ringtone that's going off and like we'll just break up scenes with like when someone calls or break up scenes with it's it's really funny um i don't know and i don't think that was you know intentionally meant to be funny um but it was hilarious it was hilarious it was hilarious Man, is this is this gonna be our shortest episode? I think this might be our shortest episode, Blake. I think it might. I don't know. I don't know. Wow, that was a complete failure of a pick. Oof. I mean, we still talked <laughs> for an hour and a half. This this episode is still going to be ninety minutes long. It's going to be longer than the movie. That's true, and way more <laughs> interesting, and much more ambiguous. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. Way more interesting. Absolutely. And ambiguous in all the right ways. <laughs> yeah, I uh I'm gonna give this two thumbs down. I will you know, I, I don't I feel bad giving something two thumbs down because that feels no, like it sucks. It's okay. You just give it two thumbs down, call it good, move on. Move on no. to the next one. No, I, my hope is that the people who make their next movie, the people involved with this movie, make a better movie. And, you know, oh, I hope that their, too. It's still two use, thumbs down. Use their powers for good. I wouldn't recommend this movie, but, you know, uh, it wasn't for me. So, so I don't okay. think it was for anyone. 
but yeah. In in the scale, like how would you rate it next to Ari Aster films? I I didn't think it was offensive like I think Ari Aster films are. I feel like we talk too much about Ari Aster, but again, the part that I don't really like about Ari Aster and I think what makes me feel ill when I watch his movies now is that I don't believe he likes his characters. I think he wants to watch them suffer. I didn't get that feeling watching this movie. So this movie, I would recommend it over watching Midsommar or, um, or Bo is afraid. Um, not that I've seen Bo is afraid. afraid. Uh, No, I'd be surprised if you'd seen it. I was going to say everything I've read about that leads me to believe it again is that style of movie. And that, like, I, I don't think I can go through that. So, yeah. yeah. Not only that, did I hear it was that kind of movie, but that it, it was really testing the limits of even the paid critics. This is true. This is true. I think, <laughs> I think a lot of people um, were kind of put off by it. So yeah, yep. Well, do you have anything uh, else you want to say? No, 